Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have such an exciting show today, and we are actually going to be all over the place, kind of like when you're in that holiday season and you're figuring out all things Christmas and all things family and all things Jesus, and you're trying to make sure you put Jesus in everything. That is kind of what we're doing today, right, Lise, with our show where we have these amazing authors who have written these amazing books. And one of them, Melissa uh, Spolstra, she wrote uh, this amazing Christmas book. And we also have another amazing author. I'm saying amazing a lot today because this is how amazing today is. We have Micah Maddox. And Micah, you just uh, completed a book called Anchored In, and this is a book on your personal journey of healing, and and I I just want to actually, before we we dive into all all things crazy, um, because I want you to really go into detail about your story with your dad, who was a pastor, and Mm -hmm. um, that's just, uh, I don't know, it just really pulls on, on, on my heart. Lisa and I both grew up in Christian homes and um, in the ministry. And Lisa's husband is a senior pastor at our church. And so when you hear these stories, uh, it just, it breaks your, breaks your heart. But first of all, Micah, how are you today? Hey, I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, we are. We are so excited. And we have to tell you, Micah, I don't know. Uh, you have to t- where exactly in the the world are you? Are you in the United States? <laughs> I, I am. I'm in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So just south of Washington, D.C. Oh, OK. So I, I have to tell you this crazy story right now. Lisa is mocking me and uh, our sound engineer because they say that I'm highly, highly caffeinated. But I have to tell you our D.C. story. So at, at one point, when Lisa and I went to D.C. I'm so sorry, Micah. She really is highly caffeinated, and you're going to get the story. It's story time. It's all good. Okay, good. It is story time because, Lisa, we we kind of have these, these issues. I grew uh, I I was in the airline industry for quite some time, so I know how to pack, and I'm a minimalist. And when Lisa packs, she pack some major suitcases because she just well, I pack not- for options I pack for options yes but what's funny about her options is when we get to the hotel then I like her options so I like what she packs so then I get in trouble because I packed barely nothing but <laughs> but within all of this at one point we had this dear friend of ours who was picking us up Um, from the airport, and we were going to this huge gala in D.C., and Lisa, with all of her bags, started stuffing, and there was no room in the the trunk of the car, and so she's stuffing all these bags in in the car, and I had to Which was tiny. (laughs) So make my bags seem bigger than they were. It was a tiny car. And and so what what happened, Lisa, when we had to figure out all of your luggage? In what position were we in that back seat? (laughs) Let's just say we were like 
almost in fetal position in the back seat. Oh with that's all around us. And we kind of got cramps in our legs and our arms. And it was my first experience to DC. So I wanted to look out the window to see. And I really couldn't see anything because with oh. that, around us. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> that's awesome. Not, not, only, not only could she not see anything, I literally, I think my feet were touching the ceiling because I was, I was oh. in fetal position. <laughs> But my fetal position was like in a V with my feet up on the ceiling because I couldn't put my legs down. There were suitcases. And Lisa has to let the driver know that this is her first DC experience. And he decided to give us a tour in that position. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) This story just keeps getting better and better. But for another time, Uh, Michael, we hear everything about you. And, And first of all, tell us a little bit about what took place in writing this book and uh, just your personal journey. Yeah, so when I first started writing this book, I was going through a season of life where, you know, there was a lot of tough stuff going on. And I really came to a place where I had to just totally seek the Lord in a new way, in a way that I had never done before. And the reason of the backstory is when I was six years old, so my dad was a pastor, and on a Sunday morning, he used to always go early, you know, to prepare the sermon, and then my mom would take me and my brother later. So me and my mom and my brother, we got in the car, and we get to the church, and we realize that my dad's car isn't there. And we pull in, and we go into his office, and there in the church office on his desk was a note. And... Basically, it said something like, you know, you're going to have a better life without me. I'm not coming back. Don't try to find me. And so literally that was a Sunday morning that my dad walked away from our family, but also our church and um, everything normal in life. Mm. And my mom in that moment just got on her knees and, you know, wrapped her arms around me and my brother. And I remember her beginning just to pray and cry out to God. And she looked at us and told us, this isn't your fault. And, um, you know, as a little girl, there's just something that happens in your heart when you realize someone that's supposed to love me and supposed to be my, you know, my strength and my steady person in my life, when they step out and when they make a mistake and when they're not there, something just crumbles, you know? And um, I really didn't deal with it as a little girl, I, I had gone to counseling, but I was such a shy little girl. I did not really face it. I kind of just lived in denial my whole life. And when I turned 30, I just, I had to find closure and I needed to, I needed to talk to my dad and I needed to see him. I wanted to look into his eyes and I really began just searching for that closure and um, God just allowed me to find a phone number and I was able to talk to my dad on the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, in that, in that moment where he answered the phone and we were able to, to talk for a minute, I was able to offer the words of forgiveness that I was finally ready to offer. And, um, so I was able to also hear the words, I'm sorry. And I was able to offer the words, I forgive you. And in that, and through that, God just took me to a new level of freedom and a new place. He didn't, um, restore my relationship with my dad. So I don't have a relationship with my biological father right now, but what he did give me was that closure that I was seeking. And he gave me really freedom from the abandonment that I had just, 
pressed down for so long. So in that, I began to write down what God was doing in my heart. And this book kind of was birthed through the experiences that I was having personally with the Lord. And um, at the same time, my husband was going through a really serious illness, and um, he was he was dying. And we did not know, the doctors did not know what was wrong with him. They could not diagnose him with anything. And he had had every test you could imagine run on him and his body was just shutting down. So I was definitely at a desperate place in my life. But good news is God carried me through that place and took me to the other side. My husband is doing well. He had a rare case of mono that was just bizarre, and it wasn't diagnosed until months later. And um, God has healed me from the abandonment that I experienced as a child. So I began writing all of this down and realized it all, you know, was something that I couldn't not share. God has done so much in my life and in my heart to bring about freedom that I couldn't not share it. So that's where the really the heart and the foundation of the book comes from. Okay, that that story is beyond on many levels. But I have to ask you, before your dad um, left the note, which I can't even imagine, I'm you know sitting here listening from your mom's perspective, from your perspective to get this note, did you have um, a relationship, a good relationship with your dad? Um, and did you ever see that coming? I mean, I know as a child yeah. you don't, but were there signs even with that your mom saw something was not right maybe? Yeah, you know, as a so I was I was 6 years old at the time. So my memory, I think at that age I had kind of blocked out a lot of my early childhood mm-hmm. as a way to cope. So I don't have a whole lot of memories of my dad. They're very limited to um, church. And so my memories of my dad are of him preaching. And so I remember him, you know, standing up on the platform, speaking the word of God. And I remember him sharing about the love of Jesus. And I actually, you know, accepted and believed in the Lord under my dad's preaching as a little girl. And so that's my memories of my dad that I have. Um, so to say, did I see it coming? Definitely not. I did not at all. Um, my mom, obviously as an adult in, um, a marriage relationship, you know, things are very different. So she, um, did have some signs that things weren't right. And, um, so she, she did see it coming and, um, she would say it was God's way of, of deliverance for our family. Mm -hmm. Um, and without going into too much detail, you know, it was just God's way of opening a door for her that she never would have walked through sure. had it not gone that way because she made a vow before God to stay with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Michael, I'm, I'm still way back um, on that note as well. And when you finally did contact your dad, did, did he move on to another family and, you know, just... Yeah, yeah and, and- so he had... Yeah, he, he did, um, pretty quickly actually, you know, so he, he moved on, he actually remarried and he has another, you know, a whole nother life, um, and just a a complete, you know, separate life from us. And there, there was none of the like back and forth visitation stuff that you see a lot of, um, you know, broken homes go through where they're going to be with mom one weekend and dad the next. We didn't have that. Um, we had, I think maybe one visit and that was it. And so, 
there wasn't that struggle as a girl, like, oh, do I want to be with mommy or do I want to be with daddy? Dad was just absent. Mm. If that you know, if that makes sense. So um, the yeah. I think that that plays into a lot of my deep need and desire for closure because there there never was really a goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, thank you for sharing your story and, and allowing God to redeem it and to, mm-hmm. to use it to help so many others because, um, you know, that is like the closure part. There's so many aspects of that. And we're going to have to take a quick break here, but we want to keep talking to you more about this and, and about your book, Anchored In, which is really significant because what do you do in those times? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You may think that getting five or more servings of vegetables and fruit a day is a daunting task and may even seem unrealistic. With the price of almost everything increasing, some people think it's too expensive to buy fruit and vegetables. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, you can buy three servings of fruits and four servings of vegetables for well under $2 a day. If the taste of fruit and vegetables is not your favorite, find something low-calorie and delicious to dip them in. My children love to dip fresh vegetables like carrots, celery, broccoli, and cauliflower in ranch dressing for a nutritious and tasty snack. Dipping them into yogurt is also scrumptious. Be creative and make sure to eat at least five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. By doing so, you will watch your health increase and your weight decrease. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back talking to Micah Maddox, author of Anchored In. And Anchored In isn't a book of Christian cliches or sweet stories to warm the heart, but rather an authentic look at the hard parts of life. And Micah, you were just sharing how going through this this time of your life and, and 
journaling. And even for our listeners to capture that, I think it's so important to journal. And you just never know what God is going to do with that. But you said a couple of things that when you finally did talk to your your dad and reconnected, that he had already moved on with another family. And I, first of all, I just, <laughs> I, I know that God has been there and that's what this whole book is about is, is uh, truly being anchored to him. But I, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine um, having a father do that. And we're all still that little girl inside. And at, at one point we had, Lisa and I had Michael Landon Jr. on our radio show and Knowing his story is so similar to yours because we think of Michael Landon and and Little House on the Prairie, and it's like, oh my word, this guy's amazing. And, and you know, I'm sure he was amazing, but as a dad, um, that just having a disposable child and how he felt like you know he'd watch his dad with his new family going to Disneyland and doing all these other amazing things, and it's really hard to put those emotions in a box. Like, how do you? look at that and just go, okay, I'm, I'm fine with this. And to, to hear you say that, it it just made me think of that, how we have so many Mm. people that are going through this kind of pain and, and hurt. And then we sometimes see God that way, that God is Mm. going to um, just dispose of us if we're not doing the right thing or if we're not meeting these expectations. But I, I have another question. Did, did you say, he continued his relationship with God, or do you know where he was? So, um, yeah, so th- this is a really tough question because, um, you know, I can't speak for him, but I can just speak from, from my experience and the interaction that we've had. Um, so he would say yes, that he, you know, it still has a relationship with God. But um, from what from what I experienced and from what um, the conversation that we had his perspective of God is just really mixed up and just really skewed. And I think in a way to be able to, you know, live with and cope with the decisions that he's made, um, he's kind of convinced himself of some lies. And so that, that's what he's clung to and, and is clinging to even to this day. So, so, you know, do we, I can't be the judge of someone's heart, mm-hmm. um, but just from the experience that I've had, you know, the, the truth that he would claim isn't really the truth of, of the Jesus that I serve. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so, it's so, it's so cool how like you, um, have not passed that on to your kids. Cause so many times you see so many generational, um, things that are passed forward that people get stuck in and we need to kind of yeah. break those. And it's like how you, you know, you've married and you have a wonderful family and your kids, but you even in your book, um, you talk about like one night when you're tucking your son in and yeah. he just spoke some like words of wisdom, which it, it's always so true. Like, like from the mouth of babes, right. And what right. our kids can teach us, um, and share with us. Can you kind of share that and yeah. how that impacted you? Yeah, you know, in that in that season that you're talking about with my son, I was really just struggling to hear from God, you know, and I, I think we all go through those seasons where we're like, okay, really, are my prayers even going above the ceiling? Like, does God even see me? <laughs> and um, I was in, in one of those seasons, and I went to tuck my little boy in, and I'm pulling his covers up, and he he says out loud, he says, Mom, God speaks to us. And I said, he does? And he says, he's speaking to me right now. I said, what does God say? What is he saying to you? And he looks up at the sky, you know, up in his room, and he looks back at me, and he says, well, God speaks quiet to us. 
And I'm like, he speaks quiet. Wow. And then I'm like, you know, it was like time kind of stood still and I'm, Mm -hmm. he's gazing up in the sky and then he's looking into my eyes. And then he says, he says, and God says he loves us. Mm. And I'm like, man, if I could just get those facts, you know, those two facts, God speaks quiet to me. I need to just quiet down a minute, shut down the noise of life and listen. And not only that, but God loves me. If I could just remember that, that little thing, that little nugget, that's, that's powerful. And that was what I needed in that moment just to keep on keeping on. And I think we all need to remember that, you know, God, he Mm -hmm. speaks to us and he speaks quiet to us and he loves us so, so, so much. Um, you know, when you were, you were talking about, um, passing on to my kids, you know, so often there's just generational sin that goes on and on. And, um, when I was a teenager, I had a moment, um, where I really felt God impressed on my heart that I was going to one day finish the ministry that my dad had given up. I just was burdened mm-hmm. for the church, the church that, um, that he had left. And I, I didn't know if that was, you know, realistically like that church or what that meant, but I just knew God had spoken that to me that one day I would finish his ministry. And, um, you know, this book and this opportunity that God has opened for me has just been the result I feel of that. And not that, I am, you know, going to do this amazing thing for God, but God has done an amazing thing through something that was meant for evil. God has brought it for good and has brought blessing through the pain. So as you, as you guys said, you know, you're so sorry that anyone would have to go through something like that. I, I've gotten to a point in my life where truly and honestly, I can say I'm thankful for the difficult things that I've been through because it has one, it's made me a better person. And two, it has brought other people who have gone through difficult things to a place where they can say, hey, if she can make it, I can make it. Mm-hmm. And so for that, it's worth, it's worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And, Micah, you, you made a comment when you said, you know, for you to be able to continue this ministry that, you know, where your, your dad dropped off. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you made the comment, not that I can do these amazing things for God. And I think it's so funny because we have a tendency to feel that way. And when you talked about your son, uh, my daughter, when she was, you know, barely a teenager, she made the comment that she came back from church camp. And I would, you know, what, what was the one thing we always talk about your highlights and your lowlights. And she said, I had this moment where I felt like God was literally wrapping his arms around me saying, I love you. I love you. Even if you're not going to do the things your mom's doing, even if you're not doing the things that your dad is doing. And I, I, it kind of crushed me because I thought, oh, wow, at such a young age, she was comparing herself already to, I might not do, you know, all these great things in ministry. I can just be me and God is still going to love me. And on one hand, it made me sad that that's how she felt. And on the other hand, I thought, Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. We all feel that way. Like I'm not doing these great things. And, you know, hearing you say that I might not be doing all these amazing things for God. And yet God is saying, just show up, be you and the gifts that I've given you. And yet we're comparing ourselves to, you know, define all these amazing things for God. So I Mm. love that, that your son is just like, he, he loves us. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. And you know how awesome and really what your your daughter experienced, you know, I'm like, man, be comforted in that because God is speaking to her. How many of us just want to hear from God, right? We mm-hmm. just want to hear God's voice. So how awesome to know that your daughter has has been there, has experienced God in a way that many many don't and many struggle to because they're just not listening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's a whole key. Like you said, God speaks quietly. It's we got to, and we have to be present. Like your son, totally present. You said he's looking up, and he's just he's in that present moment. He's not distracted. And I think we live so many, so much of life distracted and, and not yes. focused. And really, what's important and what God is wanting to say to us, which is really what's going to be our anchor, as you talk about. Well, right. in just a few minutes, we have left. Again, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story, sharing your heart, and just being obedient to God and writing um, your story and just offering encouragement to so many others through it. Can you just um, let our listeners know how they can find your book, um, where they can find you, and maybe just one thing you want to leave our listeners with with this book, just encouragement. Yeah, um, so you can find the book on my website. It's micamaddox.com. I'm also on amazonchristianbook.com and Lifeway, so you can go there. Um, And, you know, what I would say to anyone is probably the words that my mom said to my brother and I in the church office on that Sunday morning, and it's that God didn't bring us this far to leave us, and Mm -hmm. God hasn't brought you where you are to leave you now, so no matter how hard or how difficult or how bad life seems, there is a purpose for your life, there's a reason for it, and I've learned in my life that um, transformational thinking comes when I see truth instead of trauma, so trauma is easy to see in our life. Mm-hmm. But when I can replace that trauma with the truth of God's word and who I am in Jesus Christ, that's when my thinking is transformed. And then when my thinking is transformed, my life is transformed. So God's word is powerful, powerful than any two-edged sword, and it can pierce through the most difficult situation that you're in right now. Those are really wise words. <laughs> I love the truth versus trauma. And one of the things I just appreciate about, uh, as I listen to your story, is you have chosen not to be the victim. Patty and I were talking about that earlier, how so much um, you just see so that it's so prevalent, the victimhood mentality. And yeah. when you're in that place, you're always stuck and you can't move forward. And um, just appreciate how you have allowed God to take your story and move forward with him and and just live life like free in, in, in the truth, which as we know, the truth will set you free. And so living in that freedom. So, um, just a good story. We just, you know, we just thank encourage you. you to keep going and we just have just less than a minute. Again, thank you for doing this. And, um, what is just, you know, I, I want to ask you your mom. Okay. Just right there, your relationship with your mom. Mm-hmm. How, how is that? Yeah, so my mom and I are best friends. Um, she, you know, has been a rock, a pillar of strength through this whole, through my whole life. And the thing she consistently has told my brother and I throughout our whole lives is look to Jesus. She always goes to Hebrews, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so she says, no matter what we go through, we look to Jesus. And I have been able to claim that in my own mm-hmm. life, and now I'm passing that 
on to my children. My brother is a pastor also, so God has just truly used my mom. Thank you so much for sharing that. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you're working towards losing a few pounds, one sure way is to snack before you eat a meal. That may sound crazy, but if you eat an apple before you have lunch or cut up a cucumber or handful of fresh baby carrots, you will not be as hungry when it comes time to have your meal, so you will eat less. I cook dinner at home for my family almost every night, and one of my biggest temptations is nibbling while I am cooking. I am usually so hungry by that time, and I can eat almost a whole meal just by nibbling. I have made it a point to cut up fresh vegetables so I can nibble on them while I'm preparing dinner for everyone else. I encourage you to do the same thing and snack on fresh fruits and vegetables before you sit down to eat your meal. You will be amazed at how little you eat then. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We have been chatting about anchoring to God and turning your trauma into truth, which is such an amazing little uh, mantra to have as you move forward, because especially as we're moving into the Christmas season, and it can be at this time where some people just thrive, and there are others that are like, okay, can I just push the delete button and hop over the holidays and move into the new year? Because it gets crazy. It gets so crazy because we get stressed. We get stressed on what gifts to buy. We get stressed on, oh no, someone's going to be disappointed because I didn't do X, Y, and Z and I can't make it to this party or I can't make it for this child. And 
We now have our guest, Melissa Spolstra, who is going to give us all the answers. So we won't want to skip Christmas. <laughs> we are going to sit at her feet and listen to all the amazing things that are in her new book. And Melissa is a conference speaker. She's a Bible teacher, a writer. And what we love the most is that she is madly in love with Jesus and also passionate about helping women. So for all of our listeners out there that are Dealing with, what do I do this Christmas? Let's jump in and talk to Melissa. How are you today? I'm doing well. Doing well. And and so you have written this new book on the Christmas makeover, <laughs> which we want to hear everything about this. So tell us what, what motivated you. How did God like pierce your soul into uh, writing this book for all of us? Yeah. So actually, it's so funny. It came out of my study in the book of numbers, which, oh. you know, that's the chapter, the book that <laughs> yeah. you are always highlighting and yeah. saying your favorite verses from said no one ever. Yeah. But um, I was doing a study in contentment on that on, I wrote a Bible study out of numbers. And the part that kind of piqued my interest when it came to the holidays was that right before the people go into the promised land, they're like on the cusp, they've just wandered for 40 years. They're ready to go settle in. And God's giving them, like, final instructions before they go in. And through Moses, he spends about two or three chapters reviewing the holidays. And, of course, I'm always curious, like, what, like, you're about to go enter the promised land, and God's going to spend all this time reviewing the holidays. So my question, of course, is why. And as I delved into that question, I realized that biblical celebration is very near and dear to God's heart because he wanted them to go into that land and not forget who he is and what he's done because he knows what we're like. He made us and we are so prone to get wrapped up in the stuff, in the rote, in just everything else but him. And so that's the whole point of holidays of holy days is to remember who he is and what he's done. So I kind of took the principles of biblical celebration that I was learning from the Passover and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Weeks and the Festival of Harvest and saying, what are some common elements there that were prescriptive that we can then take over and apply when it comes to our holidays? Because we have no biblical mandate. There's no chapter and verse that says, this is how to celebrate Christmas and it's wrong to do it this way or right to do it that way. We have all this freedom and all this liberty, but I think we can take some of those principles and bring them over and apply them. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting journey to that. That, that. And it totally makes sense. I I will never look at, and think about the book of Numbers in the same way again. <laughs> there you go. So kind of the, the three principles there for me were ritual. God would say, eat this food to remember how bitter slavery was. Uh, get all the leaven out of your house. Do this practice to remember that you had to leave Egypt so early, you know, so that you can tell your kids about it. So that there's mm-hmm. this focus on rituals, and that's something we do well at Christmas, right? We mm-hmm. put lights on our tree to remember that he's the light of the world. We give gifts to each other to remember that he's the greatest gift and that the wise men brought gifts. So we have a lot of rituals. The danger is that they can just, we can go through the motions with them. Or I know for me, there have been years when I drag out my tree and I'm, I'm really frustrated because nobody's helping me and I'm going through my strands of lights and going, why don't these work last year when I packed them away and they work, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just grouchy because I'm just trying to get it done. But there are other times and, and kind of what a makeover has been for me is to say, stop, slow down, 
what's the heart behind this? Why are we putting up this tree? You know, like what's the point of it all? And they're, they all, all have meaning if we all redeem it. You know, Jesus died mm-hmm. on a tree. Trees are evergreen. They represent new life. There's, you know, not that, not that every ritual needs to be some hyper spiritual, you know, if we can't find something spiritual about it, then we can't do it. You know, the, the whole point of biblical celebration was to celebrate and to have fun. So some mm-hmm. things are just for fun and that's okay. You know, we hide stockings. I'm sure you guys have some things that you do that are just for fun. But I think the danger comes when we look at all of our rituals. Maybe write them down or just think through them and go, if 70, 80% of these are just for fun and are not helping me remember who God is and what he's done, then maybe I want to prioritize the rituals, you know, going to a special Christmas Eve service, reading the Christmas story as a family, doing some kind of something that, is even if it's just a night that's going to look for light, taking a minute to pray and thank, reading the scripture to our family that talks about Jesus being the light of the world and trying to make those connections between our rituals and the character of God and why we're celebrating. Okay, I have to go back to the ritual thing because I love all things Christmas. And um, as you're talking about, you know, the trees and the stuff, and, and, and you resonate because it's like, yeah, putting up the tree. Remember, you know, going through those seasons when, like, Nobody's helping me put this tree together and decorate this. And you have all these, ex- I think we have these expectations. I do some yeah. expectations. And then yeah. I know that every year, and then the realities of the season, you know, that the busyness, especially when you're in ministry, just the busyness of the season mm-hmm. and the expectations on you. And then um, sometimes you just, you want this um, picture perfect Christmas. You know, it's like, I think of the Clydesdales and the snow and stuff, even though I live in the desert. Um, and, but it's like dreaming of a white Christmas. And you just have these things in your mind. And I love, you know, just the I, the memories and just, you know, the, like you said, the rituals. But then I go to the reality. I was even having this thought getting ready today. It's like every year I think I'm going to have everything done. It's like the last week I can just sit and soak and enjoy it all, you know, and have the music and, you know, the the – the coffee and just being with family and friends and all that, but that never happens. And it's not going to happen again this year. And I just, I just, I kind of, this thought happened, you know, kind of came was like, well, maybe this, all this chaos really is a part of your Christmas ritual. <laughs> so right. reframing right. it and going, okay, the reality that this picture perfect is not going to really become a ritual. And so maybe just the right. craziness of having the, the wrapping paper on the counter, you know, ready to wrap a present, you know, still wrapping gifts or still getting gifts together for a neighbor or whatever, and the chaos of it, that is a ritual. And so I thought, I just need to look at this differently. So I think a lot of the yeah. stuff that you're saying is how do we reframe some things? How do we change yes. some things? So it's even, a posture change. Yes. It's an attitude change of, of what's going on in our own heart and mind. And I find that so much of what God really cares about. If we read the scriptures, you mm-hmm. <laughs> so much about our motives and our hearts and our attitudes. Mm-hmm. So through, through this, when you started writing this, uh, I'm sure it took you on a journey of self-reflection, even looking at your own like holiday season. What are my mm-hmm. rituals? Which ones maybe do I not need to spend so much time on? Which one? Do, and then, and on this side of the book, how has that changed your mindset of, of the holidays and Christmas? Well, I just find generally as I get older, because I'm married to a pastor, we've got four kids, I find I just less and less care about trying to do everything right and perfect and make sure everybody's happy with us, because I used to really struggle with that, being more of a pleaser, 
or perfectionist. And I think I just find this calm in my heart when I just say, I'm going to do the things that we love and that we cherish and, and let go of other things. So on this side of it, I've given myself permission to not send Christmas cards for the last two years. Mm. And, you know, nobody died. <laughs> like, right. you know, like that was something that I used to stress myself. I mean, I remember several years ago being up in the, you know, wee hours of the morning, being mad at people who moved because now I have to trace down their, track down their addresses, you know, and I was like, <laughs> okay, something's wrong here, you know, if I'm mad at you because you moved. Yes, and I yes. have to refine your address. So, like, I think for me, the biggest shift has been just realizing that it doesn't have to always look the same, that it's okay to do things for some years, skip it a year, and maybe if you miss it, add it back in. I know we had to let go of when our children were younger. We did something called the Jesse tree. It was one of our favorite little Christmas traditions. And you did a little reading each night and you unwrapped an ornament and stuck it on this little Jesse tree. It was called, and it started with creation and went all the way up. Well, my kids are now in high school and college. The thought of everybody even being home every night is a pipe dream. Like Mm -hmm. they're working, they're at school, they've got school activities. And so we've had a transition away from the Jesse tree. We don't even, it just sits in our thing. We don't even get it out anymore. But we've gone to a weekly devotion where, and we still have to fight for that just with everybody's schedule to say, okay, on Sunday afternoons, everybody's going to be home Mm -hmm. for the month of December. And each kid takes a turn sharing a devotion on a topic related to Christmas that they've chosen. So it meant at Thanksgiving, we had to sit down and nail down the dates and choose who's going to present on what and get that in place. But it's a weekly now rather than a daily like it was before. And I just, you know, I look at the Jesse tree with fondness. I miss it. It was sweet, but it was for a season and it doesn't work in this season. And just being able to adjust our expectations, like you said, I think is a big part of the makeover in our own heart and mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, Melissa, you are so talking my language that it's so, one of the hardest things with radio is to sit and and listen and not jump in. So I feel for the listeners out there that right now, everything Lisa said, I just want to scream ditto and everything that you're saying, and especially the Jesse tree, because I have had so much guilt about the Jesse tree (laughs) for the last I love, love, love the Jesse tree. And I learned so much doing the Jesse tree yes. devotion. So I, my, my older two children, you know, I, we were, it was such a tradition. And then my younger one, I don't even think she would know if I brought out the Jesse tree, she wouldn't even remember anything about it. And he, you know, at one point I brought out the Ziploc bag with all the Jesse tree ornaments and it, it just sat there. And I think maybe we did one devotion and you, you do, you feel guilty about it and I you know. have to release, you know, <laughs> give yes. permission. It's okay to not have that going it on. It is okay. <laughs> yeah. It is okay because guilt and, and shame is just never God's thing. I mean, that's what they cross is all about he disregarded the shame and he wants us to live free and yet so many times we just put all of these expectations on ourselves I I know that's I'm just growing more and more in that of just trying to enjoy and redeem moments with the Lord rather than beat myself up about all of that it's it's like I've always got five balls I'm trying to juggle and Mm -hmm. I can keep three in the air but there is always two on the floor and I okay with that we're going to take a break up in the air Okay. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. Go spend it. Oh, God, just a 
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Here are some tips from the popular UK internet site BuzzFeed to help make your life a little more fun. Next time you catch a cold, try adding a touch of magic by holding a handful of glitter in front of your mouth just before you sneeze. By the way, here's a word coined by a Canadian disc jockey for that feeling you get just before you sneeze. Anticipation. Hey, slang is just language with its sleeves rolled up. The actual medical term for sneezing is sternutation. Here's a suggestion from one expert for making a cell phone last longer. You can double the battery life of your cell phone by simply putting the darn thing down. Well, that's plain old rumble gumption, which is another word for common sense. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. What is your goal for Christmas? Are you waking up in the morning thinking about creating those magical memory-making moments? Or are you waking up thinking, how do I survive today and get everything done off of my to-do list? How do we direct our hearts in the right direction? And we're talking with author Melissa Spolstra as she has written the book Total Christian Makeover, and I believe it's Total Christmas Makeover. Right, Melissa? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Which, which I guess I guess those all go hand in hand, right? This is true. This you is true. you share how to prioritize these um, traditions, pointing to Christ's birth and rediscovering the intent behind these treasured practices and the traditions that we have. And I know uh, last year I. I went all things elf in my house, and I I will say Mm -hmm. I grew up in a more legalistic perspective where if you didn't have, you know, angels and, and, you know, Jesus (laughs) moments all over your tree, then we weren't directing your heart in the right direction. And so last year when my daughter was helping me and I told her, you know, I'm feeling really weird here because I, I just turned this into a a very fun Christmas tree. And we, we talked about it and we, we laughed that how I decorate my tree is not the way, you know, this doesn't represent, oh, my heart is not all the sum total of your spiritual life, you know. <laughs> 
And here's the thing. Biblical celebration is about celebrating. It's about having fun because there's good news. God loves us, and he sent his son into the world. And as I read the New Testament, Jesus is always at a party, right? I mean, he's there with people sharing the hope that is found in God. So I think Elf on Your Christmas Tree is is fun. But it's so funny how I, we literally had to unpack that. You know, I had to have a counselor right. and with my daughter, um, <laughs> go through, okay, this is why I'm doing this. I, I remember, you know, when, and, and I'm not knocking it to our listeners, but this is where I, I struggled, where I had some of my friends give me their Santa Claus gifts because they couldn't have anything Santa even in their house. And so it's it's your, you know, you have to figure out where God is talking to you and where you are being convicted in um, pointing, like you said, in that direction of it's it's the motive. It's a heart thing. It's where where is our attitude in, in all of this. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, John Chris, but he just came up with a YouTube video on how to know you were raised in a Christian home. Have you seen this? Oh, that's hilarious. I haven't seen that one, but I love John Chris and it's hilarious. Oh, that one, I, I will say it to everybody, a shout out to go watch that one if you were raised in a Christian home because okay. it's all it's all things as he's talking, you know, they've seen certain movies and they're like, what, where did you grow up? What were you watching? You know, he couldn't watch Harry Potter. He couldn't watch, um, uh, I, anyway, you know, all of the Aladdin cause that was, you know, too, um, oh, yeah. all and everything. And he was like, veggie tales. And it was like, that's my kids. Everything was all things veggie tales. <laughs> so, right. Oh, it's it's funny when you... And we went through those phases, too, with our kids, trying to protect them from things. And the reality is there is so much liberty. I mean, that's what the cross is about, is freedom. And so it's... But how do we use that freedom? And we have to ask those questions. We, we need to use it to... We need to ask questions. Like, how do these things that I do honor the Lord? How do they impact my family? You know, the, if we think about them... You know, there is so much freedom in there, and, and how we celebrate doesn't have to be in a judgmental, legalistic, fear kind of a way, but we should think about it, and we should consider, you know, what our focus really is, because our culture is so sweeping in the other direction of it materialism is. and commercialism. Yes, and I but I love that, the liberty and the freedom, and I and I think that's where when we keep talking about this, this isn't the rules. This is the freedom right. of Christ. And I do think we need to swing the pendulum. You know, it's that paradigm shift where I don't want your Jesus because it means I have to follow all these rules rather than, right. no, this Jesus is this amazing freedom. And it's the gifts mm-hmm. of this yeah. liberty. Uh, you know, that's why maybe there's some guidelines here, but it's for us. It's not for you right. to be you know, chained to these rules and laws, or we'd be the, you know, Pharisees and such, right. which is what God talked against, or Jesus was right. against all of what that. Jesus, absolutely. And, you know, I think God has given us some amazing gifts because he knows us so well, and he loves us so much. But, you know, the, the next two elements of biblical celebration beyond the rituals were relationships and rest. Mm-hmm. So people are the thing that, that God is crazy about and that, he treasures and he calls us to treasure relationships. So this season as well can be a time when we take stock and say, 
the most amazing gifts in my life are probably people. I mean, that's the book of numbers. They counted the people. They didn't count all of the booty they brought out of Egypt, how many gold rings they had. They counted the people. That's what the census was all about. And so Christmas can be that time where we say, wow, don't let people become scenery and machinery. I I, kind of have this little phrase that helps me when I'm going into the holiday party, whether it's an office party or a family gathering or a church gathering, and that be a there-you-are kind of person, not a here-I-am kind of person, saying, you know, let's look for the Some people, this is their first Christmas without a loved one. Some people, this is their first Christmas facing a cancer diagnosis. Some people are going through really tough marriages or relationships or things with their children. And so to walk into those places focused on, hey, there you are. What's going on in your life? What kind of questions can I ask you? Rather than, and I think as women, we really struggle with this insecurity of here I am, which is, is anybody going to talk to me? Is anybody going to notice the great food I brought? Is any, Am I dressed right? You know, all of this here I am stuff that is more um, just focused on self. And, you know, Christmas is the ultimate there you are. God said there you are in your sin. I'm going to send my son. And so I think that's just a tangible way during the holidays we can look at people, our postal worker, our our pastor's family, our Sunday school teachers, and just be grateful and express that gratitude. Mm. You know, I, I want to pause on that because I'm hoping that even if people are writing that down because that is significant. Here, instead of that, here I am, be there you are person and what's going on in in your life. I I think that is so significant. And you're right. We're operating so many times out of our own insecurities where it's like, oh, I've got to get a new dress to go to this party. I have to wear this outfit. Oh, I need to get my hair done. All these things we're adding to our to-do list, which is bringing that focus back on here I am rather than there you are. Well, we're and, just preoccupied. I know sometimes I just, my to-do list is big and I'm just in my own head. And we got to kind of wake ourselves up from that reverie to mm-hmm. see other people. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that is such a great tip. And another one uh, would be, you, you mentioned, you know, to be there to rest. It's a time of rest. Right. So what? how, in your book, when you talk about that, what's a, a tip for us um, and for our listeners on how do we rest during this season? Well, I'm, and everybody's busy. So I'll just give two quick things that are just practical ways to bring rest in. And the first is look for those redeemable moments, those moments when you're waiting. Um, when so many times I know for me, I find myself scrolling on social media or checking my email on my phone for the 27th time during the day. Mm-hmm. Instead, if we could take those little moments when you're waiting in the checkout line, when you're driving in your car, as moments to just kind of still your soul and think about God on reflecting on who he is, just being very intentional about those moments rather than all of those things that can distract us and cause unrestful things in our minds. Sometimes social media can be great, but it can also make us go, oh, they're doing that, I should do that, or oh, I need to reach out to that person, or it just adds more more stress and more information. The second thing also related kind of to our phones is, uh, you know, the, the mandate to rest is stopping ordinary work. That's the phrase used over and over again with these holidays. 
in the Old Testament. And we've never had more trouble with that because of the smartphone, the laptop, the accessibility, the bleed over between ordinary work and leisure and rest time is almost non-existent. I mean, it just all blends together. So maybe consider this holiday season at a family gathering or maybe Christmas Day itself to just maybe gather up the the electronics for just maybe even a few hours and say for this time we're not going to be notified of anything else. (laughs) You know, of course we're going to want to take pictures and we're going to want to post things and that's fine and fun, but maybe for just a short period of time, rest, take an intentional break from notifications. I think that would be my fantasy. That would truly, <laughs> I, at Thanksgiving, we went to this, you know, beautiful place looking out over the mountains and it just captivated me when I, I looked outside and I saw, you know, the beautiful mountains and the pine trees and I looked around and eight out of the 10 people that happened to be in that room that I was in were they were on their phones. And I thought, Okay, how sad. We're all focusing on our phones. And this was Thanksgiving Day. So you go, what is happening Thanksgiving Day (laughs) that we can't put our phones down? And I I don't know if it was a game or if they're just, you know, looking at Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is. It's it's overwhelming at times. And I don't know how that would would go over if you said, okay. Here's the box. Well, we, I will tell you, we do it every Sunday. We put away devices from the time we wake up Sunday morning until 5 p.m. And I have three teenage daughters, two 17-year-olds and a 15-year-old. Mm. And they, and my son is, is gone to college, so we don't mandate his media. But, you know, they don't like it. But they need it. They need a break from Snapchat. They need a break from 52 notifications every five minutes, you know. And so for now, I mean, when they leave the house, they'll leave the house. But we get some rest, all of us, from it. And, you know, already the older ones are like, wow, I have to admit it's restful, you know, to take a short break. So it is possible. Not always popular, but it's possible. Yeah, and and, and – you get caught up in that when you say it's not always popular. I, I need a break from notifications. It's not yeah. just my kids. You know, it's, it's for all of us. We need rest. It's, it's a gift. It's God's gift to us. It's, we're it's, not under Sabbath law by any stretch. Jesus freed us from that. But certainly Jesus did not obliterate the concept of rest for us. It's, mm-hmm. it's important. It's a gift. Well, Melissa, you are delightful. We loved having you on the show today. And these are some great tips and tricks that we can take away. And I love that. I wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And please challenge yourself and your family to put your device away. And let's put the focus on where it should be. Thank you so much for being on our show. And everyone have a happy Merry Christmas. Thanks so much. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 